I would suppose that most of you are probably like me. You have thought a little bit about the coming year, and you thought about some things that you need to address in your personal life. You can call these New Year's resolutions. You can call them making improvements in who you are. But as you start thinking about some things about which you would like to improve, wouldn't it be nice if we were all a little bit more spiritually aware of who we are and what we are and what we're trying to do? Well, Kevin just read for us from the book of Hebrews, chapter 5, verses 12 through 14. The verse that precedes that text is actually beginning in the middle of a sentence. And there the writer says, Of whom we have many things to say and hard to explain, since you have become dull of hearing. It's real easy for a person to allow themselves to need some encouragement in developing their spiritual senses. I'd like to talk to you for just a few moments by way of introduction about the kind of physical senses we have. We were taught when we were children that you have five senses. You can see, you can hear, you can smell, you can touch, and you can taste. And as you start thinking about some people and how they have developed their Physical senses, just for a moment with me, think about some people. For instance, some people can smell distinct aromas and be able to identify them. About four years ago, a group of us went to Egypt. And when we were in Cairo, the tour guide said, I want to take you by a perfumer's factory where they make perfume." And we went in there, and I know there were hundreds and maybe even thousands of scent, aromas that were in there. And it amazed me that the person who was in charge would try to explain, now this comes from this flower and it has this scent, and you can detect, I couldn't, they all smell the same to me. But some people's senses were so acute that they could be able to distinguish between this smell and that smell, and that's, they'd had that sense of aroma the ability to detect that enhanced. Think about also, for instance, people who love to hear music. And they can go to a symphony or something, and they can begin to hear a run or some form of music and be able to detect what instrument is playing that. Their ears have become so trained that they can detect Various runs and various instruments, I'm amazed at that. Or think about people, and I'm a little more trained in this, can be able to take a dish and be able to identify the various ingredients in it. Oh, do I detect a little bit of nutmeg in that? People who are able to have a a palate, a taste, that has been developed and has been trained. I took art appreciation in college. Why, I don't know. But uh, I was amazed that people could look at a painting, be able to tell what period of time it came from, 
be able even to distinguish the colors that were used to make up the various hues that were in that painting. And some even able to distinguish the type of brush that was used. You see, their eyes were trained. You go to a doctor and they press on various parts of your body and ask you if this is going on and and you realize that their sense of touch has been trained to distinguish and detect various diseases and various problems. And what you begin to realize as you look at all of these things is that some people have their senses exercised to discern in various parts of their lives. Now what if your spiritual senses were trained like that? What if your spiritual hearing, what if your spiritual sight was so well trained that you could be able to distinguish, as the writer of the book of Hebrews says, between good and evil? When you go to the book of Jonah, God had sent Jonah to that great people of Nineveh. And God was trying to explain how needy those people were to be able to have someone Teach them God's truth. And in Jonah 4, verse 11, he says, And should I not pity Nineveh, that great city, in which are more than 120,000 persons who cannot discern between their right hand and their left and much livestock. He's not talking about, well, is this my left hand or my right? No, he's talking about their ability to make spiritual decisions. But you know, the problem is, is that Our society is training us to ignore and have no longer the ability to discern right from wrong. You can turn on your television and you are presented with things that you have as a child been trained were wrong. And now they're being, the uh, media is telling us, our music is telling us, our eyes are telling us. Oh, those are not wrong anymore. And we're not learning to distinguish. For instance, in 2 Peter 2 and verse 14, he said, having eyes full of adultery that cannot cease from sin, enticing unstable souls, they have their heart trained in covetous practices and are accursed children. Eyes full of adultery, that's all they see. Or, 1 Timothy 4, Now the Spirit says expressly in the latter times that some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons, having or speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their own conscience seared with a hot iron. People no longer, because of the searing of sin, can distinguish right from wrong. And it's only by the Word of God that I am able to discern right from wrong. Notice verse 14 again. But solid food belongs to those who are of full age. That is, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern between good and evil. Those by reason of use. You train someone to observe a painting. You train someone to observe something by touch. And they're able to do that. 
you train someone spiritually by God's Word, and they will be able to discern between right or wrong. Now here's our preview for our lesson this morning. We're going to have to move swiftly to cover all of what we need to cover. But we want to talk about developing our spiritual sight, our spiritual hearing, our spiritual touch, our spiritual taste, and our spiritual smell. And you say, is all that in the Bible? Sure it is. In a number of passages, let's begin first of all with our spiritual sight. A few days ago, I went for my six-month checkup. Doctor asked me the question, have you been having your eyes checked? You know, there's a good reason for having your eyes checked. You can develop a disease that could cause you to lose your vision. My grandfather lost his vision by glaucoma, became blind. I know a lot of other people who've had various eye diseases, and they did not check it out, and because of that, they had some real serious problems. Sometimes when we go to the eye doctor and they may change the prescription in our glasses or some other means, we realize how much we've been missing. I remember when I used to wear glasses, the doctor would give me a new prescription. I'd say, oh, there's leaves on the trees. There's a sign there in the road. You know, there are things that you've been missing. Do you realize sometimes spiritually people are missing things because their spiritual vision is not as it should be? Of course, here's a real problem when people look away. There's something right in front of them. And they just say, I'm not going to look at that. I'm going to look in the other direction. And Isaiah 6, verses 9 and 10, Isaiah said, Go and tell this people, Keep on hearing and do not understand. Keep on seeing but do not perceive. Make the heart of this people dull and their ears heavy and shut their eyes, lest they should see with their eyes, hear with their ears, and understand with their heart and turn or return and be healed. The problem is these people's eyes, they have closed. Jeremiah five twenty one. Hear this now, O foolish people, without understanding, who have eyes and see not, and who have ears and hear not. These are people who have the ability to see, but they just choose not to see. Jesus used this in Matthew 13, verses 13 and 14. He talked about the parables and why he was giving things in parables. He says, therefore I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see. They have the ability, but they choose not to see. They refuse to see. Now, there's a lot of people who see things, but they won't admit it. I would like to ask the question, how many of you at some point in your life have realized you were in an argument and you saw that you were wrong, but you kept on arguing anyway? I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand because I imagine if most of us were honest, we'd have to raise our hands and embarrass ourselves. In John chapter 9, verses 39 through 41, Jesus said, For judgment I have come into this world, that those who do not see may see, and those who see may be made blind. Then some of the Pharisees who were with him heard these words and said to him, Are we blind also? Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you would have no sin. 
But now you say, we see, therefore your sin remains. Here's people who do see, but they don't pay attention. In fact, they reject it, even though they know it's the truth. You know, some are blinded by other interests. Because of our prejudice, because of the way we want to believe, you know, in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 3 and 4, Paul said, But even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, whose mind the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel, the glory of Christ, who is in the image of God, should shine upon them. The God of this age. There's a lot of people who could see the truth if they only would let themselves Quit being blinded. Paul's going to use a figure of speech like a veil being put over a person's eyes where they can't see. They're blinded to the truth. Or Ephesians 4 verse 18, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from life in God because of the ignorance that is in them. Understanding darkened here. Or perhaps one of my favorite passages in this is Revelation 3, 17 and 18. To the church at Laodicea, he says, Because you say, I am rich and have become wealthy and have need of nothing, and do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire that you may be rich, white garments that you may be clothed that the shame of your nakedness not be revealed. And anoint your eyes with salve that you may see. You don't realize you're blind, but you really are. One other thing, and then I'm going to move on to the other senses, and that is nearsightedness. Many of you may have been like I was before having surgery on my eyes. I could see very well close up. But after you got a little bit beyond maybe this table here, and especially as you moved to the distance, my vision deteriorated rapidly. I had a, what they call nearsightedness. I could see what was close, not what was far off. That can be real dangerous because you may not be able to distinguish a person coming at you, may not be able to distinguish a car coming at you unless you wear corrective lenses of some kind. Do you know spiritually some people are like that? They can only see what's close up and what's at a distance they can't see at all. In 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 9, For he who lacks these things, that's those spiritual graces, is short-sighted. I really think the better translation, he's nearsighted, even to blindness and hasn't forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. Some people can't look back far enough to remember what it was like when they were baptized, when they were forgiven of their sins. They can't see far enough in the future either to see eternity staring them in the face. They're only looking at what is close up. Spiritually, we need to be developing our sight, our spiritual sight. Then the Bible also addresses spiritual deafness. Many of those passages I referred to about sight also talk about deafness. In Psalm 58, verse 4, he says, The poison, their poison, 
is like the poison of a serpent. They are the deaf cobra, like the deaf cobra, that stops its ear, doesn't want to hear. Mark 4.24, he said to them, Take heed what you hear. Not everything you hear is true. Not everything you hear is correct. You've got to have a little discernment say, Now, is what I hear, is that the truth or not the truth? Or Luke 8 and verse 18 says, Therefore take heed how you hear. One of the problems is sometimes we choose to hear certain things and we choose not to hear other things. Sometimes a person may be in another room and be calling for us. Would you come here? We hear what they're saying, but we don't pay attention to it. John nine twenty seven, the man that was born blind. He answered them, I told you already and you did not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become one of his disciples? Notice he says, why do you want to hear it again? Sometimes people will keep asking questions until they can find someone who will tell them what they want to hear. We frequently have people who visit us. And they will maybe visit with us for a time and then they will hear a lesson which deals with a sin that they enjoy and they say, I'm not going to stay here because they're not saying what I want them to say. And they move on to where they can find someone who will tell them, oh, well, that's okay, you can go ahead and do this, you can go ahead and do that. Some fail to understand by not listening. John 8 verse 43 why do you not understand my speech? Because you are not able to listen to my word. We need to be training our listening, our hearing, to listening to what Jesus says. Number three is our spiritual touch. And like blindness and deafness, some people have no spiritual feeling. And I realize some people may think this is not really a big deal. A girl I dated in high school, her brother had had some sort of injury earlier in life and he had no feeling in his right hand. And I thought, well, maybe that wouldn't be too bad until I realized he had burned his right hand three or four times because he had no feeling. Got it near a fire, picked up something hot, didn't realize it was hot, and had severely burned his hand. Feeling's important. Feeling's helpful. Feeling is able to help us understand. And when you go to the Bible, you can see it as well. In Zechariah chapter 11, verses 4 and 5, Thus says the Lord my God, Feed the flock for slaughter, whose owners slaughter them and feel no guilt. Those who sell them say, Blessed be the Lord, for I am rich, and their shepherds do not pity them. Let me ask you a question. We have some folks here in this congregation who are in the business of growing livestock. And the raising of those animals to be able to sell, to be slaughtered, to be for food, do you feel guilty when you go to the livestock barn and you bring those animals up and they're auctioned off or they're sold to another person and they slaughter those animals and then they take them and they make hamburger or sausage or whatever else out of them, do you feel any 
guilt for taking that animal's life? I don't, don't think so. What about spiritually, though? What about the shepherds of God's people, God's flock? Does it really matter? Do you feel any guilt when one of them is slaughtered, when one of them dies? Now, Ezekiel 33 and 34 pictures the shepherds of Israel who were allowing the sheep to just wander off and didn't care, wasn't concerned. They had no feeling. In Ephesians 4 and verse 19, who being past feeling have given themselves over to lewdness to work all uncleanness with greediness. There's some people who no longer have guilt feelings when they sin. You know, the first time you do something wrong, and you know it's wrong, your conscience smites you and tells you, you shouldn't have done that. But you ignore that, and next time you do it, it may bother you, but not nearly as bad. You do it long enough, you get where you're past feeling. You don't care anymore. doesn't feel like anything to you. God wants us to feel for Him. The American Standard Reading of Acts 17.27 brings this out the best, that they should seek God if happily they might feel after Him and find Him, though He is not far from each of us. It, the picture, the mental picture that you're supposed to get, it's like you're trying to grope for something in the darkness. You're feeling for it. God wants us to feel after Him. Also from the American Standard, bringing out that particular point from Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 and 15, it says, Having then a great high priest who hath passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold our fast our confession. For we have not a high priest who cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but one hath in all points been tempted like we are, yet without sin. Jesus can be touched. He has feelings for us. Folks, we need to have feelings for one another. When you see a brother or a sister suffering, it ought to touch you. You ought to be concerned. Our spiritual taste. Taste is a biblical metaphor, illustration if you will, that emphasizes most often a pleasant taste. For instance, in Hebrews chapter 6, verses 4 and 5, the writer there is trying to talk about what it means to become a Christian and live a Christian life and then turn away from it. And he says, For it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and tasted of the heavenly gift and become partakers of the Holy Spirit and tasted the good word of God and the powers of the age to come. It's almost like you get a taste of something good. I would dare say that over the past several days, this past week, some of you have probably tasted some really good stuff. Sometimes you may have only gotten just a taste of it. But because you did taste, you say, I'd like some more of that. 
And the idea is if a person has tasted that the Lord is gracious, you've seen how good it is, and you've tasted that good word of God, it ought to create a desire in you. Or 1 Peter 2, 3, if indeed you've tasted that the Lord is gracious. Of course, there's some things that can leave a bad taste as well. Not only this week have I tasted some things that were really good, I've tasted some things that I thought might be good that didn't taste nearly as well. And when you go to the Old Testament, Jeremiah 48, 11, Moab has been at ease from his youth. He has settled on his dregs. He's not been emptied from vessel to vessel, nor has he gone into captivity. Therefore his taste remained in him, and his scent has not changed. He still tastes as bad as he always did. We need to be able to have a discerning taste to say, hmm, now this is good. This is God's word. This is what's right. That's over here. That's not good. I need to leave that alone. Finally, our spiritual smell. We ought to be thankful for the beautiful aroma of a spiritual life. There's such a wonderful picture in Scripture of this. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 14 through 16. Paul puts it like this. Now thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ and diffuses through us, diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. Through us. People smell something good or they smell something bad when we present the truth. He said, For we are to God the fragrance of Christ among those who are saved and among those who are perishing. To the one we are the aroma of death leading to death and to the other the aroma of life leading to life. And who is sufficient for these things? Do you know there's some scents, some smells if you will, that to some people are a delight and to others they are a stink. And you have to realize that those of us who are Christians to people who are seeking truth and goodness and righteousness, we're the, the aroma of life leading to life. Ephesians 5, 2, And walk in love as Christ also loved us and has given himself for us an offering and as a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. Philippians 4.18 talks about what the Macedonians had given, and he said, From you a sweet-smelling aroma and an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. Of course, just like we pointed out with regards to taste, there's some of us in this life that our attitude stinks and our actions stink and we ought to stop. Now when you put all this together, I think about the various senses I have. And I'm thankful to God for all of them. I wouldn't want to be deprived of any one of the five physical senses God has given me. Would you want to be blind Still hear, smell, taste, and feel. But would you want to lose one of those? No. 
You don't want to lose one of those spiritually either. And Paul would put it like this in 1 Corinthians 14, 20, or 17. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the hearing? If the whole were the hearing, where would be the smelling? The truth is you need them all. You need to develop them all in a spiritual sense. As we develop and grow in our discernment, the greater of service we may be. Those who, by reason of use, have their senses exercised to discern between good and evil. Hebrews 5.14 And the first step of that is rendering obedience to God. When you go to God and you have the right kind of senses, then you can be of great service to Him. If you'll take your song books out now and turn to the song of invitation. We're going to sing this song with the thought in mind that Jesus is calling. He's calling to those who are not Christians. I want you to be my children. I want you to follow me. I will save you of your sins. You come to him because you believe that he's the Christ, the Son of the living God. You express sorrow for the, the sins which you've committed and, and change your life. That's what repentance involves. You confess that you believe in Jesus and then you're baptized for the remission of your sins. It's very possible that you're a Christian and you're living with sin in your life. And you know it's there. Now it's time for you to make the correction of it. If you need to respond, would you come as we together stand and sing?